What's up, y'all? I just wanted to give a very brief disclaimer before we start in that this is literally our first podcast. So I'm sorry if we start off a little bit unenthusiastic, a little bit monotone. I promise we kick it up um, after a little bit. And if you're listening with headphones, I apologize if there are any minor audio complications. This stuff is a little bit more complex than we were expecting. But regardless, we're going to stick through it and we're going to get better and better each time. You feel me? So with that, um, thank you for tuning in. Please let us know how we did. And yeah, enjoy episode one. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to our podcast, Difficulties. My name is Mahua. I, I am Mashnoon. I, I, Mashnoon is the correct way to pronounce it. I didn't know that that was the right way to pronounce it until I met you. You dramatically had to correct me. I allowed him to have that awakening. I think he deserved to have that after 22 years of <laughs> awakening. <his life. laughs> no, I feel like my mom used to say that, but she, she just called me Mashnoon now. But yeah, no, that's, I know. that's my she name. She still says that. How was your morning today? Um, it was it was really good. I woke up super early. If okay, little okay. disclaimer before we continue, right? I I live in in downtown in the city, and I literally live like right next to a construction site. And unfortunately, like Monday mornings is the loudest time. They <laughs> so, literally wake up bright and early just to do some construction by his house. So like, if you're listening to this with headphones, I'm so sorry. Just like just ignore it i mean it's kind of cool like it you know it feels like you're you're in the city you know you're there with him too right right but if you're not wearing wearing headphones you should probably be okay but but yeah i'm super sorry if it's loud just bear with us please but yeah my morning was good i, I went and got a coffee i this man let me give you a disclaimer as well this man wakes up at 7 30 on his day off i don't want to that's way of sleeping in. <laughs> i i don't want to it's it's this construction site but it's okay we're all good. It's a little. I don't need it's an alarm clock. I don't. I don't need an alarm clock anymore. I got construction. But how's your morning? Um, it's it's crazy. Like I don't work a traditional job anymore, and I'm you know really blessed to say that. But it's crazy how I have to like wake up earlier than I would have had to for my traditional job because I have like not even the same amount of work, but I have more work with you know my art and like That's true. my designs and editing. It's just. You have to wake up earlier and start the day off earlier. For for the people who who don't know, what what is it that you used to do and what is it that you do now? Oh, oh my god, that feels like centuries ago. I used to have two jobs. I used to work at a pharmacy um, at CVS. I don't know why, considering I'm an education major in school. Mm. And I also used to work at a school at the same time. And then I ended up quitting because of the pandemic and I started my business and that you know, took off and I have been blessed to stay at home, stay at home and work from from home, from the comfort of my bed. But I hope you guys are doing well as well. Um, so today our topic is our upbringings and why we were ashamed of our culture. I don't want to say that Mishun was necessarily ashamed of his culture in comparison to me where I did feel ashamed. I think he felt more left out. Is that correct? Right, right. I think when we talk about our upbringings, we're going to talk more about like the external factors, like what it was right. growing up in in our individual communities. Because because uh, you and I grew up like pretty differently. Like mm-hmm. I I was surrounded by a particular group of people, and you were surrounded by a particular group of people. And we're just going to talk more so about like what kind of effect um, our our community and our environment has had on how much we 
learn to embrace our identity but before that you know how how much it uh it hindered um us wanting to accept what our 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 identity was or is so do you want to talk a little bit about your upbringing where you grew up where you are now yeah your environment yeah okay um well I lived in uh, the Bronx, New York for, for a couple of years, but it wasn't anything crazy. I moved down here. I moved down to Orlando, Florida when I was like four or five years old. And um, we lived in uh, lived in like one apartment complex for like a year. And then we finally moved to the house that I grew up in for, for the next 15 years. Um, I grew up in, uh, in Central Florida, literally like Center City, Orlando. Um, and there's a really big population of just Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Cubans, Mexicans. Like my best friend is Puerto Rican. But yeah, I grew up with like no brown people with me. I, at least in like my, my general vicinity, I had, um, a friend at the time who was Indian. Um, but we didn't get closer till we were older. And I had a family that was Bengali. They had three Bengali boys. They were like, they were my brothers growing up. There was one older than me and two younger than me. And those, those are pretty much like the only Bengali people I had. But uh, other than that, I, yeah, I, my, my high school was, was majority Spanish. There's a lot of Brazilian people. There's a lot of black people. There was no white people at all. And there was a, there was a solid um, amount of, of brown people, but, uh, but they were all just in a very different bracket than me. And, and mm-hmm. like, I guess what I mean by that is like, they, were all well-performing students. They were all came from like a stable household. They were all kind of like the same person. I'm here just flunking classes. I'm here spending mm-hmm. time doing doing dumb shit. And were they also Bengali? Literally, and I don't, I don't think there were like barely any Bengali people in my school. At least, at least that I was close with. I was not close with any Bengali people. I think majority mm-hmm. of them were, were Indian. Where there were a lot of Indian, there were like a, a lot of Guyanese, but um, but yeah, that again, like I I did not fit in that crowd at all. I think I was super into like clothing and and fashion and and wearing like wearing like whatever, and I was really into like sneakers. I was really into music. I was really into poetry. I was really into like all these things that like these kids were just not into. And I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they were like interested, but they were all going like the. The doctor, engineer, blah, blah, and like, God bless, right. you know, I, but I, I knew from like an early age that that was not for me. I knew that I was going down a, a very unconventional path that I, I feel like I got lost, lost in, lost in translation a lot because I didn't mm-hmm. really have any guidance. I didn't have like a, I didn't have like an OG. I didn't really have like a, like a big brother to, to guide me through, right. um, yeah, through life and, and maneuvering through the kind of life that I wanted to live. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of my upbringing. Um, not a big presence of, of brown people, and I I think it's it's interesting to see where I am now and learning to embrace my culture now with the place that I I came through. But as for you, I know you have a pretty different experience than I did. Um, do you want to yeah, talk a little I bit mean, about yours? Yeah. Before I continue with mine, I wanted to say that yeah, when I went to Orlando, I barely saw any brown people and. I'm sure that it has an impact on you, especially if you're growing around, you know, not that many. I think in Orlando, and, like, there's there's a lot of brown people. It's just Orlando is so big to where, like, there's, yeah. like, there's, like, a big portion of brown people in a very particular area. There's a big portion of Spanish people in a particular area, which was my area. But, um, 
yeah, Orlando's huge, but I I just was not around that, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure also just you saying that you were more into fashion, more into things that not even just brown people usually aren't, you know, oh like into physically or like they don't show it at least. I feel like a lot of guys are also are not into those things initially yeah. when they're at that age. So you definitely probably didn't like fit into any of the brackets of being a brown person or even like a a traditional male. You know? Yeah, I, I so. mean that that's a that's a topic we'll we'll eventually dive a lot deeper into. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, essentially it was really hard to just find my crowd. I didn't really have a crowd. Yeah. I think in high school I had a I had a group of friends, and even in that group of friends, it was like me and seven eight other guys i was obviously like the odd one out like i didn't relate to anybody like i mm-hmm. i really felt that that sense of like like loneliness in in i didn't have anything to really connect to but mm-hmm. but yeah yeah that. that was me yeah i think i also have that experience where i didn't really have you know someone to look up to or even ask for help because you know as a child of an immigrant you kind of have to especially if you're the oldest daughter or son you kind of have to help your parents learn something while also teaching yourself Mm -hmm. for example like you know learning how to do financial aid i had to do that myself and also oh yeah me too i remember i remember like i would ask my parents for like like tax return information and like yeah what the hell is that oh my god i luckily i i have i have my big sister who who she what like if I didn't have her, I would not be able to maneuver through anything like school. Related. Yeah, but like I shit like not. that, it's it's oh my god, we can, that's a whole. Nother I had to thing. at least you had an older sister. I yeah, did you didn't have anyone. that. I had to literally do everything for my parents and my younger brother and for myself, right. which is hard. But um, you know, talking about the upbringing, I wanted to kind of talk about mine a little bit. Um, you know, he, you hear a little bit of construction um, noise in I'm his background. I'm so background, sorry. Yeah, I'm but so you sorry. can hear. Just like pretend you're you with hear. me. You're in the city. You're vibing. I have my coffee with me, right? We're, you we're can chilling. Hear some of my lawnmowers in mine because I'm in the suburbs. So mm. you know, we're in different Burbs. locations right now. Mm-hmm. I'm in New York. He's in Florida. Right. And we're making it work. Yes. Sir. But anyways, um, my upbringing. I grew up in Queens initially. If you guys aren't aware, Queens is a borough in New York. It is um, one of the melting pots and it has a lot of culture. But um, anyways, my parents, you know, immigrated from Bangladesh. She, they lived in Queens and it wasn't too much of a culture, culture shock coming from a different country because, you know, we had a lot of Bengali people around us and there was a lot of brown people. So they kind of felt at home. Do you, do you know when, when, like what year your parents... I think they came in ninety. I think my mom came in ninety seven or ninety six. My sure. dad came a little bit earlier. I think that's. I think it's funny when uh my 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 parents uh moved to the Bronx instead of Queens, right? And at the time when my parents moved to the Bronx, there were not any brown people. Mm-hmm. And I remember my right. my family and the few other Bengali people in the area. They were trying to bring people from Queens to the Bronx. <laughs> I guess brown people have like a, a really bad connotation of, of the Bronx cuz yeah. there's a lot of trouble that went there. Like it wasn't the prettiest place, but mm-hmm. but it yeah. was definitely a l- more bad. And now um, Bronx is full of brown people. Yeah, so many brown people there. So many brown people. But yeah, um but, yeah, continue. Um, yeah, so anyways, they came to Jackson Heights and Queens, Woodside, Sunnyside, you know, all those brown areas and yeah, it was it was kind of right at home. Also, all, a lot of my family came to the U.S. around the same time, so we had family around us. But eventually, when I turned around 
um, five, we moved to Long Island specifically for the education education system, which um, is crazy because they had to sacrifice literally their comfortable life and yeah. you know all the friends and family that they made there to just move to a different island, basically New York, right. for me and my brother to have a better education. And I think that was hard for them because we kind of shifted from an all-round community, basically, like, you know, corner stores with Bengali people, like, Bangla newspaper, like, you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff that mm-hmm. is familiar to, like, a whole-ass white neighborhood. And, yeah, that was a very big culture shock, I'm sure. And it was also kind of hard for us, for me and my brother, because we went to a school full of white-ass people, like, white, white, Trump white, you know? Like, scary white. We ended up having more brown people moving to the area, but more so Indian, um, South yeah. Indian, North Indian, and not really like Pakistani, um, Bengali. But I think that's why me and you are a little bit different because our um, surroundings were different. Mm-hmm. We, I had definitely more Indian. I didn't really have Spanish or black people living around me. But it was nice definitely to have that comfortableness, I guess. But also there were times when I felt left out because, you know, I didn't classify as Indian and all my friends classified as that. And I just like didn't feel like I could represent myself as Bengali. And I was I definitely had times where I didn't even want to be brown, you know, like the majority was definitely white people still. And I think that I wanted to fit in because I definitely, you know, like felt like an outcast or I felt like. I was being looked at differently because of my skin color or how I looked. And yeah, like I definitely saw a lot of the popular kids in elementary and high school were the white people. And there was definitely like a hierarchy. So I felt like, you know, I had to be looking like them or have that skin color to well, have What do you mean there was a status. hierarchy? What do you mean there was a Cause hierarchy? Because I feel like in high school, in elementary school, especially back then, there was just like levels of popularity and there was like... You knew who were the popular kids. You knew who was on top, basically. And it was always kind of based on skin color. Really? And even, yeah, even the people that, you know, somehow got in the group, if they were not white, if there were probably like one black person or maybe I saw one brown person in that group, it was just like, oh, how the hell did they like break the standards and, you know, become friends with them where they're popular now too. But even them, they're popular, but they're like not as popular as as the white people basically was there was there was there a lot of like mixing of of friend groups like did you have like like friend groups that were like super mixed or was it just kind of like white people hung out white people our our friend groups were very segregated even my friends right now are still the same friends from elementary and high school and we are all brown that's so that's so crazy to me because like i i don't relate to that at all like i i met different people in, in every single school that I went to. So yeah. I, I'm always really jealous of the people that, that stick together like that. Yeah, but it's also, it's, it's you know, a double-edged sword because I would like to be close with people that aren't all brown. Like my brother, for example, he's friends with white people, you know, Spanish people, like every mm. different ethnicity, which, you know, I think it's it's hard to talk to people that are not the same background as you but also i think it comes easier to people for me i just find it difficult to relate to things that aren't you know similar to my background and my culture and my morals and stuff but yeah that was my upbringing and also now i think it's changed a little bit because now we definitely have a lot more pakistani and bengali people in our community 
there's a Muslim presence because we have a mosque and you know more people have been moving to Long Island especially because we're on the border of Queens so it's been a little bit easier and I'm sure that you know it's probably better for the kids in this time and age how do you how how did you how did you do in school like did did you feel any sort of like pressure to do better because like you you said your your school had like a lot of high performing uh, students yeah. or even like your community had like a, a lot of high performing students like how how did I I feel like uh you know obviously schooling is a is a big topic in 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 like brown kids like the life of brown kids and I feel like we we have two different two very different experiences with it but yeah I'll let you go first like how's your experience in school like how'd you do well it's well like well like what I said we you know specifically moved to this area just for the education system because you know we're paying so many so much more money so much higher taxes because of the school and I think that I did have a pressure to perform better because we had you know the comparing like oh this daughter is doing, you know, this good in school. She's getting hundreds. Like, what are you doing? Like, why can't you get that? So there was definitely a comparing. There was definitely a pressure to do good, especially, you know, my brother is the smart, smarter one in the family, at least he used to be. And, you know, he was in all APs. He was in the math. He's still smart, than you? He's still smart, yeah. He was in the math and sciences, you know, advanced classes. And I was never excelling in that. I was more in the arts and English and, like, social studies and everything. So let me, let me let me ask you um when you say that that you know like you're like you know that your parents moved to this community just just for you guys yeah like were did did you recognize that when you were that old or like is no. these things that like what when you got older you're like oh shit like they did oh, this no. you know I did not yeah but like it, probably in the moment you're like yo why are we here yeah no thing. honestly in like when you're younger obviously you don't recognize those things because you're right. you know you're young you just kind of see your life. And that's it. You don't view your parents as people. And you're kind of just... And they probably kept telling you. They probably kept yeah. telling you, like, yo, like, yeah, they always know, we said, came here for you, blah, 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 They always said, oh, like, we made these sacrifices for you and your brother to get a better education. Like, you know, right. take advantage of it. Like, work harder. And they also used to say, like, you have to work harder than white people because you're not going to get the same opportunities as them. And, you know, basically... You heard that. You heard that. Of from course. Them. Yeah. They always used to say, like, you have to work twice or three times as hard because you you have to get to that position whereas you know a person can do it and they would get it easier than you so we definitely had that conditioning yeah and like what you asked me I think there was a very big focus on education in my childhood and my upbringing in my school but then again I still worked so hard I probably had an 87 average in high school and I was that's crazy I was still on the bottom half I probably had almost 300 kids in my um grade and i was literally in the bottom half oh that's not even that many i had how many did i have but it just shows just like like how many brown people were competing for the top Mm. 20 top 10 and like even if you had a 99 you were probably in the top 50 somewhere so it's like there was such a big focus on education you know and no matter how hard i tried like it still wasn't good enough in my perspective i mean for me like obviously school was very very uh very important to my parents like they obviously wanted me to do very well and um and i'm sure like we'll go more into that more in depth into this um in in a future episode but i didn't do well in well in school at all like i was flunking i I barely graduated but i was really good at a lot of other things like i was very entrepreneurial minded i was very creative minded i just did not put my head in the right places and um yeah, I mean, I I'm still in school now, but I'm trying to I'm just trying to finish up just so I get it over with. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it was all right. Uh, I, mean, I literally, ugh, I hate 
the the fact that we have to try so hard in school just to get good grades and uh, I hate going to school now like please like in in a future episode like I just need to rant about how much I hate college like I Mo knows hate, it Mo knows how much I hate college and the concept of, of the courses it's ridiculous I but. hate how our our measure of worth is based on our grades and numbers yeah, we have we have so much we literally have, we so have much too stuff. much to say <laughs> like, about that. we have so much and I'm about. saying that I'm literally saying that with like a perfect score a perfect GPA as well in college right now not to brag not to brag yeah yeah, yeah. perfect humble perfect. humble brag you know me working hard all right, so now that we talked about that and got the upring out of the way, I, hate talking about I feel school. like we have to talk. We have to talk about what made us feel ashamed or left out mm-hmm. in our um, experiences in elementary or high school, or even recently. So, do you have any significant experiences um, where you just didn't feel like you fit in? Man, I'm I'm sure I had big moments, but they really don't come to mind. I mean, I can I can kind of kind of dwell on a couple. I think I think like the first thing that comes to mind is is back in elementary school um we all we all know ramadan i i didn't know what like when i was seven years old i didn't know what the word ramadan was i didn't know what the word fasting meant like all i knew was the, was the term roja and i think i think roja is a bengali term i don't know if like that's something like all muslim people say but i i just knew roja so when it was ramadan I'm like yo i'm rojaing like instead of saying fasting i'm rojaing i was saying i'm like i'm ramadan <laughs> Like I didn't know how to say Ramadan. I didn't know how to say fasting, but um I had I had a I don't know why you were fasting at seven years old, but I don't even think I was doing it like I'm, I doubt I was doing it the right way. I was just like excited, you know, it's a, it's a little Muslim boy running around, you know, I was so happy. Yeah. But um, but but I remember um, like one day in elementary school, the lunch lady came around like trying because you know I'm pretty sure the lunch ladies were a lot more caring back in elementary school of the kids who like were eating and weren't eating and and stuff like that. And she saw that I wasn't eating because, you know, I'm, I'm rojang. And the lunch lady, I tried telling her, like, yo, like, I'm not eating because I'm rojang. And she she just looked at me weird. She's like, yo, like, what's, what are you talking about? What the hell is that? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm rojang. Like, what well, don't you understand? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm rojang. And she didn't get it. And she brought me, like, a plate of food. And I started crying because I'm rojang and I couldn't eat. And I think that's something I never forgot about. And I, I think about to now of how, like, you know, like, obviously, I, I should have knew the term fasting, like, I, I should have knew, known that term. But um, I guess it, it that was one of the examples of like, there, there's a big difference between me and, and a lot of people, you know, like, I, yeah. I, I am different, apart from like, the physical skin color, like, there's a lot of things about the culture, a lot of things about the identity that people have no idea about, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a little bit apart from apart from school, um, from like the, the school world, so I, I grew up in a very, uh, a big Spanish presence and outside of school, like me and my friends, we would go like up the block. I had like a couple cousins that lived in like different neighborhoods that I would, I would go to a lot and I would hang out with their friends a lot. And I remember like my, literally my nickname used to be India. Like they literally used to call me India because there were, there were no <laughs> oh brown people around there. Like, yeah, I know. I get where you were kind of grouped together with just that country or oh, those yeah. people because of your skin color. I remember people not even knowing where Bangladesh was yeah. or me not even caring to explain it because I just knew that they would categorize me in that. Exactly. But yeah, um, I remember they used to call me that. And at the time, I didn't feel some sort of way because I was like, like, I, I understood. I understood that there was nobody like me. But obviously now that I'm older, I realized. And like, to an extent, obviously, like this whole this whole theme of like, um, 
you know, you can't blame somebody or get mad at somebody for for just like expressing the things that they grew up with, you know, like these people grew up doing that. Like they 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 just didn't understand the idea of like different ethnicities kind of kind of thing. And yeah, I was I was called India and and I I think about it now I'm like, "Damn, that's that's messed up." Like I like I had mm-hmm. a name type shit. Like they didn't even call me my name. And um and yeah, they would they would always just like crack jokes and I think like where where we where we feel different about this is like I di- I didn't feel some type of way when it was happening. Like I literally didn't care. Like I got it. I, I understood. Like I understood that I'm different. And but I didn't really get upset about it. And I'm still not upset about it, but now I think like I should have done something about that. What what about you? Do you do you have a uh, any big traumatic experience that happened to you growing up? Yeah, I think a lot of us have small experiences back then that seemed small, but now looking back at it, you can tell that those things defined your life and your childhood. I think there are some very notable things that has happened to me when I was younger. Um, One of the first things that I always think about is the fact I was probably in sixth grade, so this was in around 2010. I remember going back to school after winter break after Christmas, I decided that I wanted to start wearing hijab. And this was a decision that I made by myself. None of my parents, like, none of my family members wear hijab. Mm-hmm. It was just me and the family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like a little nine-year-old, ten-year-old girl going dilly-dallying back into school, like, all excited to show people my new hijab. And I was so... I always love seeing the little ones in, in, in the hijab. But I was so happy to show everyone. And I immediately, well, not immediately, and I don't know if this is me, you know, exaggerating in my head, mm-hmm. but I remember just feeling like this shift in when I entered school. Like I felt like I didn't have friends anymore Mm -hmm. that wanted to talk to me. And I just felt like I just didn't fit in, first of all, because I was the only student in the class, mostly maybe even in the school wearing hijab. Mm -hmm. And I just like didn't feel right because like I genuinely felt like I lost friends. People weren't talking talking to me anymore, looking me in the eye. And, you know, as a little girl back then, like, that affects you because that's, like, one of your formative years right. and that shit was hard. But And I, I feel like uh, the hijab is a little bit more accepted nowadays, but I feel like back then, like, what year was that? Yeah. That was, like, oh, five. 2010. Sixth grade. Was oh, sixth grade. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I'm pretty sure it was a lot more, like, you got a lot yeah. more looks so back honestly, then like, now. Honestly, kudos to people that can wear hijab. My best friend wears it yeah. still to this day as an adult. And I know for a fact you get a lot of looks. Yeah. I remember even wearing it to the mosque when I got older and it was it was difficult. Right. So I get that. Right. Yeah. And just like shit like that just really not ruined my life, but it really formed my life. And it just really influenced it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think a lot. Another thing that both Mashun and I can relate to, and I'm sure a lot of other people with ethnic names, I know we talked about this before briefly, but my name was so ridiculed, mm-hmm. <laughs> ridiculed, 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 ridiculed when I was growing up because people couldn't pronounce it. They can, you can, they can freaking, you know, pronounce these long ass Eurocentric names, but why the hell can't they pronounce these three syllable, two syllable names that have seven letters? And I was so frustrated growing up because these teachers did not even try pronouncing my names. I got so tight. But back then, like, I would get mad that they couldn't pronounce my name, but I would help them out and say, oh, mm-hmm. it's just Mo. Like, I would literally, I went by my nickname for literally, like, 20 years. Right. Because I was just so frustrated in trying to correct them. And it was just, like, 
you know, they didn't even attempt it at, at a point anymore. They just called me yeah, mom. Like, I, no one knew I my actual name. Thing. I did the same it's thing. It's freaking crazy. Like, I hated that shit. And I was like, why the hell can't I just blend in with, like, all the Jessicas and Victorias around me? Like, Do teachers, you know, I mean, you, you work in schooling like this. Does this still happen? It still happens. But now I know for a fact that it's so much better, especially from elementary school, to allow the kids to introduce themselves with the name that they want instead of you reading off a roster and kind of you know giving them the name Mm -hmm. it allows the kids to introduce themselves in the way that they want Mm -hmm. and that's so much better because it gives them you know the free will to do it however they want instead of kind of getting it announced and stuck to them i I remember you you told me that like that your classmates would help your teacher like say your nickname instead of like oh like her name's not mahu it's it's mo (laughs) <laughs> yeah like, that's, that's, that's like them literally I, i'm pretty sure the same thing happened to me but yeah i mean obviously they, like they were saying it in like a you know they didn't have bad intentions right but it was it it did like very much like so them crazy. it was kind of like them it was kind of them like choosing my identity what for your name me, you know? six letters your name is six letters <sighs> my name is two syllables. is it six yeah six yeah so things like that were really hard obviously i think a lot of people can relate and the third thing that I want to talk about very briefly, I remember our school used to do, you know, those mixers and like potlucks where we would bring yeah. in different foods from, you know, our cultures or whatever it is. And I remember mm-hmm. my mom being, you know, really excited to cook like mishti, like sweets or, you know, jatpati, if you've ever had that. I know you've had that. But anyways, I would bring that to school. I'd be really excited. And I remember for a fact that there's like also a hierarchy with, with foods, right? Like people, they want exotic foods. But they will only go for like the Dominican Spanish food or like people pasta. Are so picky with exotic food. Yeah, like, like give it all a shot. That's the point. I hate people who are like, oh, uh-huh. I need to try everything. No, they don't, don't try everything. Don't. Yeah, and I I remember for a fact no one touching my tray of food and literally going home with it all full, and it was just so sad. Not only for me because it's like embarrassing. I brought this whole ass freaking tray to school and no one had it, and then it's also sad because my mom's like, you know what the hell did I freaking work so hard on? And, like, no one ate it. And I remember just, I, like, eventually didn't even bring food anymore. Or, like, if it was, it was just, like, garlic knots or something, you know? I just, like, didn't want to contribute. But, yeah, those were, I feel like, times in my life where I felt kind of ashamed or I didn't want to be, you know, who I was or the skin color I was. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure, like, similar things have happened to me. Like, I remember, um... You know, I, I don't think my mom ever cooked like that, but I remember she always wanted to cook and I I like stopped her before she before I even let her because I knew that people were not gonna be interested. You know, like I would just bring like Chick fil A mm-hmm. nuggets and shit. Like people Chick fil A nuggets. Yeah, I would I would get up early for school and go get Chick fil A and then hop on the school bus and I would just be carrying that around because I knew people like that more than samosas and shit. But Yeah, samosas. But um, but yeah, I guess uh, that kind of moves us on to our last point of you know how these experiences in our life has um, eventually just made us more um, embraceful of our culture in general. I know that at least for me, I neglected my identity for a really long time. Right. I remember growing up like I didn't even say I was Bengali. Like I would first say I was Muslim. I think for for whatever reason I identified more as being muslim i think because i just had more people like that around me compared to uh bengali people more people know what 
being Muslim is exactly rather than being Bengali. Yeah, I, I was like, I always hated. Like, I would say I'm Bengali. They would say, "Oh, something along the lines of, like, oh, that, is that in India? Like, where is that? Blah blah blah." And I would have to pull up a map and I would show them, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> pull up a map." And they yeah, would, yeah, I, I just hated that process. I would just, I'm, I'm Muslim. I'm, I'm whatever. But yeah, I guess that brings us back to what I was saying about our last discussion point is is when we first started embracing our culture. Um, I'll go first mm-hmm. in saying that I didn't for a long time. And it was honestly until maybe like a year and a half ago where it was it was literally when I met you and I saw how many things that you were doing and how and how um active you were in, in your community in, in celebrating that you are Bangladeshi. And I saw that and I was like, I, you know, I, I think seeing that made me just that combined with just being stuck at home in the pandemic. I feel like um, I feel like there are a lot of people that can relate to me in that just being stuck at home. I was blessed to have a work from home position, so I was really just stuck at home. Um, just spending time, just going around your house, just looking at all the stuff on your walls that your parents have put up, all the paintings, all the photo albums, all the different like antiques, all the things that were just passed down like generationally, and just asking my mom like, "Yo, like, what is this like?" what is that? Like, why'd you put this here? Like, where's this from? When did Mm -hmm. we get this? And just like really, really diving into the story of like my parents and, and asking them like, yo, what was it like, um, in, in the time of like the Bangladeshi revolution and time of war? Like, Mm -hmm. cause our parents were, were in Bangladesh when that was happening. I feel like that's something we forget a lot too. And just like asking them different stories and just all of these things, so I had like the the family side combined with like the external side being you and us talking and mm-hmm. and me getting to know like what it is that you do and what is what it is that you've done. So what was the transition where you finally felt like you could embrace it? Like what changed from you identifying as just Muslim and then identifying as finally Bangladeshi American Muslim? Um, I wouldn't say there was a a very particular point where that happened i think it was just a combination of so so i had like family i had you and i think another part was i was i started working in in more corporate settings like i i was working mm-hmm. well before that i was working at a very uh rich area uh at a coffee shop where it was only white people coming in and then from that i i had an opportunity to work for a marketing company as an intern all white people all the clients were white people then I worked, I, I transitioned into working as like an actual part-time employee for a different digital marketing company ran by a white person. All of the clients were white people. And I, I think that combined met you. It's just like all of you were all over the map. It's just all of these, the- all of these things. I was like, I was like, damn, there's, there's no, I don't, that's why like I got really excited when I met you. Cause I was like, <laughs> I was like, yo, like, like I think I think what I'm trying to say is like I had no brown people and like all of these different ventures that I went through like these jobs these like these different areas just going out more at night like I didn't see mm-hmm. anybody so that's why it was like such a big revelation when I met you and when I, when I started like spending more time with my family like it just like it really just like hit me in the face like it really just mm-hmm. just swung on me like so yeah you were 21, 22 when you I was, started having yeah, I this was 21. Phase. I was 21. Um yeah, yeah. 
honestly it's yeah and i think it's crazy because a lot of people listening to this are probably younger and they're probably in that phase where you know in the phase that we were in where we didn't really embrace our culture and like we were in we weren't in a surrounding where we had people like us and even when we did it wasn't the same as exactly like how we are now basically and and i i think as we grow older we start realizing not only our parents sacrifices and all of the life stories that they have but also we start embracing our own culture by our surroundings or things people that we meet mm-hmm. or like you know in some way it happens hopefully and and i feel like i'm i'm only scratching the surface like i've i have so so much work to do i have so much more research to get into so much history to learn and and i'm i'm really yeah. excited for how deep I, I i i'm capable of of going but yeah that's for me it was it was it was recent i'm i'm ashamed that it took me so long but but better better now than ever you know but but yeah what about you i think one of the biggest turning points for me when i first started embracing my culture is obviously related to art when i first went to this protest for bangladesh and when i first made my um sign for that protest mm-hmm. and it was really you know monumental men monumental for me (laughs) monumental Monumental. it was very monumental for me because i've never been to a protest first and second made an art piece um talking about my country and you know making it something so big where people other people can see it for the people that don't and i think people that don't know what this was this protest about oh this protest was in 2018 it was uh about the unsafe road conditions in bangladesh and there was Yeah, there were protests all over the world. The one that I went to was in Queens, New York. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was crazy seeing so many people around me with the same goal as me, which was to bring awareness to this cause. Mm -hmm. And it was just so unifying, I guess. But it it just made me realize how there was just so much power and there was so much culture around me. And all of us are just like we just have our own history and background we all care about the same thing you know and i think that was one of the biggest things for me and then during that time i was also in college and my college is in the city in new york city so i literally saw so many freaking people with the same background as me Mm -hmm. and even different background as me and the majority wasn't freaking white people anymore it wasn't freaking trump's america anymore you know i was in a there was like a trump sign right next to me right but now i was in a place where i was able to like see people pakistani bangladeshi um indian and i just felt more at home because there was literally people like me and i was also part of like the culture clubs i was more um i was participating in like more things that were related to me so i just felt more at home and i just like realized that like enough is enough also freaking in colleges when i started introducing myself as mahua mm-hmm. in my last semester of college basically i was tired of freaking people calling me mo right. And I, I literally made it a point to correct people, even if they were saying it wrong. Like, I would be a bitch if I had to be, you know? Right. Like, I, I was just so tired. I was like, I'm not going to freaking shorten my name to make it easier for you if right. you can freaking pronounce the 30-syllable white-ass name next to me. Yeah, try harder. But I remember I, I literally emailed a professor saying, hey, professor... I noticed that you pronounced my name wrong or you kind of mumble it. Can you say it right next time? You said that? I did, but this was this semester. And she was actually a nice professor, so I didn't say it meanly, Mm. but I've said it rudely before. So I just got to a point. I just got angry. I was mad. So, yeah, that was was my story. I, I started embracing it so much to the point where I made all of my artworks. And a lot of my work now is very, you know, culture based. A lot of, I think that, 
me seeing me going to the city and seeing so many people around me, I realized that there's so many people that live in like Kansas and Kentucky and freaking white ass states that don't have that experience where they can just, you know, move out of the city, move into the city and see people like them. Mm -hmm. And I even know that like this one woman bought for me, she bought a sweatshirt for me. I think she's Bengali and she married a German guy or an Irish guy. Mm -hmm. And she has never seen any Bengalis around her. And even just her buying this freaking piece of shirt, like it, it was a whole world world to her because like she's, never had that representation. So I think I made my whole work about like representing those people because they don't have that luxury like me where I could just see people. So yeah, it was it was it was really nice. And also on top of that, my mom's very patriotic. Oh, yeah. So I think it just finally rubbed off on me. Right. You know, she's always like Joy Bangla <laughs> <laughs> So it finally just That's rubbed cute. off on me. Yeah, my mom I remember yeah. my, the first time my mom saw your shit, she was like, Oh, Joy Bangla it's good yeah it's good. honestly like nice little plug but honestly Mishun's um childhood home has probably like 20 of <laughs> my so much child, 20 of my designs yeah my, my mom loves it i don't even have that much in my house my mom, yeah my mom loves it but but yeah going going back to our point would you say that like your your like you start embracing your culture more because of like you saw it more in your environment yeah yeah i saw it more externally so I, that's why I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to understand how people that had your upbringing and are also brown like you, like, how the hell do they have that, Mm -hmm. you know, awakening in their culture? Because if you had to be introduced to it by me, like, how are they getting introduced by it? Especially if they don't live around other brown people. Exactly. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that, like, going back to, like, the point of this podcast is is to show that, like... Mm -hmm you can get to to a good comfortable space and accepting your identity no matter where you come from you know like mo Mm -hmm. mo got it because she was around it and i got it because i just looked more within myself and and had like more like self-discovery you know so yeah and also a little silver lining there's a lot of people from orlando in your area that actually buy from me Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. can just show that maybe my art is yeah. kind of making a difference and making an imprint in other people's lives as well, including you. Labyrinth of. back at it again. Hello, Orlando, Orlando yeah, plug. Yeah. But okay, continue. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's a. It's kind of all I got. Um, I'm, uh, I'm just really excited to continue this and and to uh, to show people that no matter what you come from, whether it be suburbs with a bunch of Trumpies. Or whether you come from, <laughs> where do you come from the block with a bunch of uh, Puerto Rican food around you? No matter where you come from, um, you know mm-hmm. we can we can all get to a place where where we learn to love ourselves and 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 love our identity, love our culture, love our heritage, and to just uh, learn more about us. Because I think at the end of the day, like it's kind of what we're meant to do in in these lives of ours is to pay pay homage to our ancestry, pay homage to our parents and. And all the struggles that they've gone through and, and to show them that like right. you know we'll 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 like pass us pass us the torch and, and we'll carry it on from here but yeah I do mean, you have any last minute advice on how to do that for people that um, don't have that connection um, with their family and just some um, quick quick the, quick bits. the first thing that i can think about is um on on my on my right thigh i had the word i have the word patience tattooed on me We'll get into tattoos, another episode two, tattooing, tattoos on Muslim, blah, blah, blah. 
But um, I have the word patience on me because I feel like that's that's what it all comes down to. That's what my mom has has preached to me my whole life is um, just slow down, right? Just slow down. Just think things through a little bit more. When your parents get mad at you, don't get mad back. When you get mad at your parents, really sit down and realize why is you're getting mad, and and just just slow down and and realize that 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 change takes time, you know. And yeah, and basically, like our, bringing it back to our episode, think about their upbringing and then think about our upbringing, and try to see, you know, the difference between that and understand that there is a difference because of the different times and the different ways we were taught to grow up and everything and it's a lot obviously easier said than done especially if you're younger and you don't have that connection but and i'm assuming the living living what is it flesh flesh and living flesh full flesh L- living fl- i'm living flesh thank you living flesh thank you very yes. much but what you got real um, quick real quick off, real quick what you got 10 oh. 10 second advice I think that a lot of people feel like they're going through the hardest times in their life Mm. and they're really overwhelmed. Mm. And that can happen if you're young in high school or if you're older. Mm. But I think that it is worth it to go through the hard times, maybe complain a little bit. But eventually the good times come once you, you know, put in that hard work, reap the benefits. Because it's only a bad day, not a bad life. You know what I mean. On my, on my left eye, mm. on my left eye, I have tattooed. Here he goes. A storm will pass. Let that marinate. There it is. A storm will pass. That That was actually one of our. I'll tell that story. That was one of our. Um. That was one of our title options. Yeah. But anyways, um, we want to thank you guys. We want to thank you guys for listening to uh, Difficult Dish. This is our first podcast. Yeah. But we were very excited to do it. I hope you learned a thing or two. And like, let us know. Let us know if you like this. Oh, like. Yeah, like, I think I think since like, can, yeah, can let us know us? if you, let us know if you like this um, the way that we're doing it, and also like and leave a review on Apple. I don't yeah, really know sure. how it works yet, just, but just, just like, try make us doing look that. Good. Like make us sound good. Yeah, we're make cool, us look right? good. Rate us. Give us five stars. Right. You know, you know the Let's spiel. And you know, follow us on Difficult Dish on Instagram yeah. if you would like to. It's easy, easy. And cut us some slack. Cut us some slack. This is our first time. But yeah, di- difficultish but. on Instagram. You can hear the train. I'm sorry. Difficultish on Instagram. Um, really easy. The same name as as our podcast title. Give us a follow and let us know. Um, let us know how you felt about this. But uh, yeah, yeah no, so and we'll gonna... see you next Friday see at y'all 10 a.m. Uh, right, bye. Love you guys. Bye.